Good morning, church. It's good to see you all of Branch. How you been? Oh, it doesn't sound very good. Is it just too cloudy and hot out there? You're all sleepy and songs I don't know. You know, wait, wait, let's wake up. Let's say good morning to each other. Why don't we say that right now? Why don't turn to somebody and say good morning to them right now? Morning. Well, this is an awesome opportunity this morning. I think you guys are going to enjoy what we are going to be doing. Not done anything like this before. There's not technically going to be a sermon. In fact, what we're going to do is we're going to sit down and we're going to talk to a group of men and women who have made a a huge sacrifice in their life and a huge decision about what they're doing. In fact, uh, for me, I'm kind of one of those um, intellectual kind of people, and so I'm kind of challenged by what we're hearing today. Um, Here at Olive Branch, we desire to see everyday people change into a community of passion Christ. Followers. We want to see that person live out what God's called them to do. We want to see them do it and walk in that and see God move in that. And some of you guys are in different places right now. Some of you are at the beginning where you feel like God is calling you to come to Christ. And what does that mean? And how does that work out? Others of you have come to Christ and he's starting to build into you the habits, the general callings of our lives, to be in the word of God, to be serving one another, to be walking in his ways. And, and now some of you, however, have entered into another stage. You have all these basics down. And God's beginning to open your heart up to what it could possibly mean for you to be on this planet. Now, you have been called to a particular passion, something you've been designed for. And in that area, when we talk about passion, we often reference this concept of mission. And I want to encourage you guys this morning with this conversation about missions. For me, I'm a person who's, like I said, I'm a bit of an intellectual. And so when I read in the book of Acts, chapter 1, if you want to look there with me, Jesus is standing there. He's just, uh, he's about to ascend into heaven. He's talking to his disciples after the resurrection. He looks at them. He basically says, uh, they look and say, hey, when is the kingdom of Israel going to be established? Is it now? What's going on? They're like hunting for the end time scenario that they're in. What's the theological nitty-gritty on this? And Jesus says, you know what? We don't need to talk about the times and the hours that God has set for things. What you need to do is you need to be, you need to know, you need to have the Spirit of God come upon you so you become witnesses of me in the, in Judea, Samaria, or Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so he lays out this mission venture for the whole church. We are to be a people who are taking the gospel to our local area, all the way to the globe, and every angle and every place. And so I'm excited that we are going to talk to some people this morning who've taken that seriously. And the first couple that I want to introduce you to is Scott and Casey McCollum. They're going to be coming up, telling you a little bit about their story. So would you welcome them up as they come up? <clears throat> now, this morning, um, we've already had some awesome conversations that have begun. And so this is kind of their second time through it. So you guys, we're, we're going to get to kind of experience more. Uh, why, don't we, why don't we begin with just a little bit, why don't you guys let them know what you're currently doing, what, what you do in your lives and, and where, where your lives look like they would have been heading if you hadn't made these decisions. So. Yeah. So like Greg said, my name's Scott. This is my wife, Casey. And uh, so we both went to Cal Baptist and uh, there I studied video. And upon graduating, I uh, started my own company doing videography, uh, wedding videography, uh, <coughs> and that has continued for the past three, four years. Um, but most recently, I've actually stopped booking now as God is kind of uh, ch- uh, changing the direction of, of, our, of our path. And, would you yeah, share and so right now I work as a physician assistant at a family practice office. And the reason why I got into the medical field in the first place was because I 
thought that God could best use me um, doing medical missions overseas and to help people not only with their spiritual needs, but their physical needs as well. Now, now I'm impressed by these two because these, <clears throat> Scott has helped us in our video presentations here at the church a lot. You've seen a lot of his work with our baptisms and various things. And, and, and these are both professionals. I mean, if I was a dad, I'd be looking at them going, what are you doing giving up great lives in great fields for, for, what, for what you're doing? And yet, you guys have gone through a journey. Like, where did that begin? How did that start? What were kind of the obstacles? Can you want to share that with some of us who may not have ever thought about going in this direction? Yeah, and for a while, I didn't either. Uh, it wasn't until my freshman year of college, uh, and kind of the next four years during college that God really began to uh, open my eyes to uh, the world, to the need of the gospel. So my freshman year, I took a, a few classes, uh, starting with, uh, it was a global studies class, and we went through a few different books, uh, including Bible, and just saw how from, gen- or from gen- Genesis to Revelation, uh, God has been uh, bringing people to him, and, and then ultimately sends his disciples, uh, giving his disciples the Great Commission. Uh, and, and this was, even as a Christian, it was something new for me, something challenging for me. And it really, I had to wrestle with this as something I, I very much missed as, as a believer. Uh, and, and so it, it eventually led into uh, that summer where I went to Russia. And that further opened my eyes to the need of, uh, of, of the gospel that there are many places outside of Corona, outside of this, this California, that, that have no access. And so, really, that was the beginning of the journey for me. How about you, Casey? Yeah, and mine was pretty similar. I went to Cal Baptist, took the same classes, was kind of enlightened to what the Bible said about missions. And I used to think that the Great Commission, you know, was just in the New Testament. But even looking back in the Old Testament, God, our God is a global God, and he... Uh, wants his name to be known in every tribe, people, group, and nation. And I remember looking at the covenant that he made with Abraham, and I always just kind of blew it off. I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, when God started the Jews and had his chosen nation. But looking back on it now, it talks about how um, God would bless Abraham and, you know, increase his numbers. But also it says, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And that is foreshadowing when Christ comes and when Um, salvation is available for all people, not just the Jews. And so that was a huge thing for me. And as I read on just in Psalms, if you look in the Bible and see how many times the word nation, tribe, tongue, people, group, earth, world, like it's incredible. And um, so once I kind of realized that, I realized that my purpose as a Christian should be aligned with God's purposes. And that would be to um, spread his gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, I want you guys to hear kind of this process. It began with kind of not knowing about a kind of ignorance in a sense of the, of the world of mission. How many guys would say you grew up in the church and have been kind of ignorant of mission? Throw your hand up real quick. Just as, it's okay. You're just saying, yeah, didn't know that. Everybody else is like, yes, I know missionaries exist. Now, now the difference is that they went to a class and it moved them to actually obey. I mean, you guys actually went on, on some uh, short-term mission trips. Anybody been on a short-term mission trip in here that's been like a week or two weeks long? Um, you're like, all the, all, and it, it's a radically different thing. So check, you did the Great Commission, you're done, right? That's how this works. Why would you go to the, to the level that, what, what moved you to this point? What did God do um, after those mission trips to take you to go, no, this is a life calling? Yeah, so these short-term trips, uh, I went to Russia, I went to Haiti, uh, I've gone through Mexico with the church, and then most recently we led a team uh, to East Asia, and 
you know, th- these trips have really just shown the need. Uh, it, it hasn't answered the problem. The gospel is still needed in those places. We're really only, these short-term trips are really meant to expose us and to uh, really teach us. And, uh, and so that was the beginning. Uh, there's a book called Let the Nations Be Glad. And the book, or the, the theme of that book is missions exist because worship doesn't. And God uh, wants his name to be known in every part of the world. And until that happens, Christ will not return. And so as Christians, that, is, that, is, that has become our focus. Our, our focus has shifted from ourselves and our, our lives here to, to people who do not know him. And, and so that's really, really changed from just short-term focus, but to we are now looking at longer-term commitment to learn a language and to live in an area where there are no churches. Yeah, and I think part of that, I remember about a year ago, um, we were just kind of discussing what we had been learning for, you know, the past few years and about our future together. And we basically realized that as Christians, you know, we have surrendered our entire life to God. And we, um, there was a point where we just gave it to him and we just said, you know, God, you are in charge of every single detail of our life, you know, where we work, what we do, what we use our money on, and then um, the biggest one, where we are located. Like, we just said, you know, if you would have us here in Corona, we'll obey you and make disciples here. If you'd have us in another state, that's fine. Or if you have us overseas, across the country, then across the world, then that would, we would obey that too. And um, <clears throat> so, there's just let me ask uh, real quick, how, let everybody know, how long you guys have been married? It'll be two years in September. So they're looking at living their lives for this. Isn't that awesome? I mean, to live their married lives and giving their lives away to a people who've never heard the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, That's challenging to me. That's an exciting thing to, to, I think, for all of us. And you guys are kind of at this spot now where you got to, you're starting to move forward in the process. Why don't you let everybody know kind of where that's at, what, what could be done, and where, where you're going next from here. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it really is funny that we're up on stage because we do not feel any more spiritual than anybody else out here. I mean, we... Uh, we're pretty ordinary. We're very ordinary. <laughs> and so, you know, I feel very much like Moses, uh, God saying, you know... Go Moses to wasn't very ordinary. I'm and, just kidding. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm kidding, Scott. He felt ordinary. <laughs> and God, God told him to go, and he's like, no, I, I'm not a good public speaker. You want me to preach? Like, I, I, I cannot do that. And so I've really wrestled with that. Um, but, yeah, so we have started, we started an application uh, with the IMB, uh, the International Mission Board, uh, six months ago. And we actually just finished it uh, three weeks ago. So we're now we're just in a process of waiting to hear back. Uh, we've applied for a two- to three-year service uh, and we will actually find out in two weeks if we're accepted. And then in October, we will, they'll fly us to Virginia. And there we will uh, figure out uh, there's an expo and we will learn where, where uh, what country uh, we will be headed to. Uh, we're applying for, I'm applying for a video and she's applying for a medical position. So we want to use these passions uh, specifically for the gospel. And uh, did you want to follow up on that? Oh, well, I guess, and after, like, we're not just committing, like, oh, two to three years, and then we're going to come back and, you know, live a happy life. I mean, our life will be happy anyways, but, you know, we're just totally open to wherever God has us, even after that, Mm -hmm. and, like, we're, we've committed the rest of our lives to go uh, to places that have not heard the name of Jesus, and 
So we're just kind of waiting to see where exactly that is. And so if you guys could be praying for us, we, uh, we're really just in a waiting process right now to, to hear back. Um, but whether the IMB accepts us, um, we're not, uh, we're not, you know, if they don't accept us, then we'll, we'll apply somewhere else. And, uh, and so I would encourage our world teams guys, over there going, yeah, uh, come with us. So, yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, Africa could be on the map, but uh, no, no place is off limits. But I would encourage you guys. So we, the IMB is Southern Baptist. And uh, if you are a member at a Southern Baptist church, which all, which all the branch is, uh, you can apply uh, if you've been a member for two years. And so I encourage you to, to consider whether it's IMB, whether it's world team, whether it's another organization, we're not biased to any organization. We're, we're biased to the Great Commission. Uh, and uh, one quote that I didn't get to share earlier was, uh, uh, it's by Hudson Taylor. He was the first missionary in China. And he says, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. So think on that. <laughs> and okay. and that's, that's hung up on our wall. And it, I'm reminded of it every day because I need to be reminded myself of the gospel and the need for the gospel um, because... There, there is, um, you know, there is a cost to uh, to moving and sharing the gospel, uh, especially as the, uh, Christine and uh, the rest of the team will share. Like, it's not easy to leave. So what I want you guys to do is they've got great stories and they've got some neat videos and things. I want you guys to meet up with them outside in the courtyard and find out more after the service. They've got information, uh, web stuff, all the teams do. And so please, please do that. But also let's just praise God for, for Scott and Casey and just everything that they're going to plan on doing. Pray for them. Help them out. So thank you guys. We're going to get moving. So I've got uh, another person I want to introduce to you. You know this person. Um, she has... Uh, she is kind of our first fruit in a lot of ways. Christine McMillan, would you just welcome Christine back up here? You know, some of, some of you haven't seen Christine uh, since uh, 2013 in January. We did her commissioning ceremony here in the service. Um, and she was off to sub-Saharan Africa, and uh, as, you, as you now see, she's back. And so there's a lot, a lot, a lot in that story, but... Um, you know, what was, what was that real process? You got to go off to sub-Saharan Africa, but I, she actually uh, was renting the room in her house, and so I know a lot of the story, but um, she had a lot of hurry up and wait. Uh, what was that like? Because a lot of people don't understand the process isn't as smooth and simple as, as people might think it is. Yeah, so um, for those of you guys that don't know me, I'm not somebody that waits very well. Very well. Um, when I know what I want to do and I'm passionate about something, I want to do it now. And uh, my journey into missions didn't really follow that model that I like. Um, you know, I, I had decided to go into missions in late high school and then went to college and, and pursued um, studying missions and then really wanted to come alongside Olive Branch and what they were doing um, to send, send people into the nation. So waited and, and listened to the elders and kind of got my feel from them. And uh, one thing, it was, it was really difficult to wait. When you know the need out there and you want to go and live among Muslims and share the gospel with them, and to be told, wait, is really difficult. But one of the things that I'll forever um, be grateful for in that time was that I feel like God really used that time to teach me some key things that I didn't know at the time, but were going to be things that I really needed to cling to when I was in sub-Saharan Africa. And one of those things was through the book of Hebrews, 11, Hebrews chapter 11. That chapter is really like home to me. I love the men that that, that chapter describes and their brokenness and their um, humility. 
But as I was in Quebec, I was reading this once again, and something stood out to me that had never stood out before, and that's where the passage says, all these men, these amazing men that we look at, all these men died in faith having never seen the things promised to them, but being faithful to pursue God and to trust him and be obedient to the things that he called them to, even though they never saw any fruit. And that hit me like a ton of bricks because already at that time I knew that it was questionable how long I would be able to stay in the area that I was going. And I really felt like before I was able to get on the plane to go to Africa, I had to answer the question, Christine, are you willing to go even if you may never see the fruit? Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) We all know that missionaries go over there and millions of people come to Christ and they have these awesome times because you guys are spiritual giants. You memorize the entire Bible and you know several languages. Right? And that, isn't that, that's a common conception. Um, you, you you'll come back me, and missionaries right? are asked. this is not true. Well, yes, yeah, <laughs> this is not true. Uh, yeah. The missionaries often come back and they're grilled by their congregations. Like, how many people have come to Christ? You know, how many? And it's just not that way. Do you want to, I mean, you were there. Can you kind of give a, a, give a description, kind of open our eyes up to what that process looks like? Yeah, so we didn't see people coming to Christ in droves. In some places they do. Some places God has prepared the people for that to happen. But where I was at, these people had never heard the gospel before. So when we were sharing the story of Genesis with them, they were hearing it for the first time. When we were sharing the story of Moses with them, they were hearing it for the first time. So we didn't necessarily see tons and tons while we were there, but that really isn't our goal. Um, Our goal is to really connect with a few families and share the gospel, share Bible stories with a few families and watch as they share it with others and they share it with others and they share it with others. Kind of like how Jesus um, shared with three and then that 12 and sent out 72 and it spread. He even describes the kingdom of God as a mustard seed that becomes this huge plant. So um, we didn't see that. We did see a few families understand what the gospel is. And I've heard reports at this point, um, nobody is left in the area that I, no Protestant missionaries are in the area that I left. But God is doing some amazing things. Um, the, the church is spreading, and people are coming to Christ through people who 10 years ago were Muslims. So it's really cool what God is doing there. But the, the super fun, like, this is going to be awesome all the time, that's just not the case. It's the hardest thing that I've ever done emotionally, spiritually, physically, relationally. Um, becoming like a baby again and not knowing anything isn't something that I, you know, um, think is that fun. But it's good. It's worth it. So. Yeah, so that couple-week experience that many of us have had, like I went to Berlin, and you don't understand what's written on the walls, and you don't quite yeah, know what you're first, eating right? for you're breakfast. Like, Ooh, they sound all funny, and then, you know, a few months in, you just want to have you a realize conversation you sound, with somebody. And yeah, you realize you, you sound funny. So. You can't even order, like, a tomato at the market because, yeah, it's good times. So there's a lot of stress and a lot of that. Um, you kind of talked a little bit about that process uh, for church planting. That's really the goal of, of our world team is to see a church planted. You want to explain that just a little bit more? Yeah, so I was kind of thinking through that as I was preparing for today. And I was trying to come up with this like four-point sermon. This is what our strategy looks like. And really, I just came back to a story of a friend that I'm going to call Sariatu, even though that's not her name. But um, this friend, I had been spending some time with her, getting to know the language through her she was teaching me. And um, after, which we'll talk about later, after I found out that I wouldn't be staying any longer, I got a little bit more bold in what I said to people. Hopefully that boldness will come quicker in Southern Africa. But with this woman, I said, hey, do you remember a few months ago, we listened to some stories with Mairumu, my friend. We listened to some stories and you answered some questions for us. Do you remember those? And she said, yeah, do you have any more? 
And I said, yeah, actually I do. I have a whole bunch more. Would you be interested in listening? Now, these were stories from the Bible. Um, and she said, yeah, I would. And we don't work one-on-one -on -one with people. We like to work in family units for, um, I, I can't go into all the details, but I would love to talk to you about that outside. So I said, well, why don't you ask your husband and see if he would be interested? And if he's interested, then I'll come back over and we'll listen to the stories and talk about them together. So she did, and he was interested. So a few days later, I came back with a player that played the story of Genesis 1. These people don't know how to read, so we listened to them on MP3 players. And we listened to the story the first time, and you guys, when, when we finished, he looked at me and he said, that's truth. I was like, what? Like, you are a Muslim man, you have a Muslim wife, you go pray five times a day, what? And he said, that's truth. We listened a few more times. Um, um, this is the strategy. So um, we listened a few more times and then at the end we talked through what did that story say? We want to make sure that nothing is missed and nothing is added. So we talked through that and then we talk about, okay, what does this tell us about God? And then the third question we ask is, if this is true, and I got to say, if this is true, like you said it was, what do we do? How do we obey this? Because if the word of God is the word of God, then it has to be the authority in our lives. And if that's what we're gonna leave with them, they have to know that this is what we, this is what we obey. Um, not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So I ask him that and, and he says, well, we need to go and find people that haven't heard it and tell them. And I about fell over in my seat. I was mm. like, are you kidding me? Like, this is what we are, are going for. This is our goal. So then we talked through a few people that he already had in mind that he wanted to share the story with. But that's kind of a summary of what our strategy is, building relationships and sharing the word of God, allowing the word of God to be the authority and the people to share it with others. Now, so. Christine came to my house after she got back and we had my kid who would sit down, you know, teeny is kind of like a, a, a big sister, an aunt, I don't know, just this, this awesome figure in my kids' lives. And she sat down and you started showing us a lot of amazing pictures of a lot of people that you poured into. Um, and, um, but you're here, you know, those people are there and, and that those relationships are in very, very real ways gone. Um, why are you here? You want to let, her, and I think our congregation needs to know what happened and why you're sitting here and what this is all about. So would you mind sharing with them that story? Definitely. So even as I was preparing to go to this area, I knew that my teammates told me all the time, we don't know how long we're going to be able to stay here. This is the terrorism around us is, is rising up and we don't know how long we'll be able to stay. Now is the time to be sharing the gospel with these Muslims. So I knew that going in. And then a few weeks before I headed from, from Canada, where I was studying French to Africa, a few weeks before that, a family of seven people, was seven Westerners, French family, was kidnapped about 100 miles away from our house. And this is the first time that some Westerners, some visitors had been affected. So that really shook us up and we questioned, you know, should I still be going? I was actually afraid to tell Greg because I was afraid he was going to tell me I couldn't go and I didn't want to hear that. So, um, but I did tell him, don't worry. Um, but so I, I went anyways. And then about a month after I was there, they got released for a, a big ransom, which is great. Um, and then a few months later, there was another French priest that was kidnapped. And we had just kind of started getting in back into a routine of life. And then this other kidnapping happens. And it was, once again, just kind of a blow. A few weeks later, we met together as a team. The team that um, I was with in Sub-Saharan Africa, we met together and said, okay, things are heating up a lot. And, uh, you know, our target... You know, Try the back one. Target on our head is oh this one's not working oh there target is on our head pretty big um, what are we going to do do we want to keep inviting new people at this point the team that will come up in a few minutes was already chosen and was already in the process of training and going and our field decided that with the length of time it would take to learn French and to come and um, 
begin learning the language there and begin building relationships, we honestly didn't think that we would be able to stay that long with the way that the terrorism was rising. So through tears, I agreed with them that I think that we shouldn't invite any new people to this area. And at that point, they looked at me and said, okay, Christine, so this team is coming from Olive Branch. We are not going to be inviting them to come to this area. What are you going to do? And I said, well, Olive Branch is my family, so where they go, I go. And um, at that point, I realized that that was kind of the beginning of saying goodbye and recognizing that at this point, it was really real. Like, you are not going to be here for very long, so what are you going to do to feed into these people? What are you going to leave with them? And then at that point, we all decided that we would try to stay until the summer of 2015. But then in early April, just a few months later, there was yet another three people that were kidnapped, two Italian priests and a Canadian nun, just 12 miles from our house. And that really pushed into the things that we had said, you know, if this happens, um, we're going to be looking at the possibility of leaving. So that weekend, my, my field leadership there made the decision that we would be coming back before the end of June 2014. We already knew that we wouldn't be there much longer after that, so they kind of sped up the process. And then I called Greg and the elders and explained what was going on to them. And they met and prayed and prayed and prayed and um, just asked me that I would, they, they knew that there was this team that would be going to Southern Africa and they called me and said, Christine, we really feel like you're a very important piece of this team. And at this point, we don't want to jeopardize your role in that, in that team. So would you please come back and begin preparing with them and get, getting to, to build your team together as a team. And I was really appreciative of that, seeing that um, their humility in that and recognizing that this wasn't a decision based on fear. And this wasn't a decision to say, Christine, we're not going to allow you to be in a dangerous situation. But it was a decision in wisdom. Even through scripture, we see that sometimes the wisest thing to do was to pull out. And they said, Christine, the, the wisest thing at this time is for you to come back and tra train with this team. So here I am today getting to train with one of the most amazing teams you'll ever meet. And you'll meet them in a few minutes. But that's where we're at. Yeah, and that's not an easy decision on, on Christine's part either. I want you guys to hear this. Just because she'd be coming home to her to her to her church or coming to her church or coming to uh, her family or even coming to this team. She was very clear with us that, hey, God, um, I'm not coming home. Um, Africa had become her home by this point. And that's, that's a huge reality that she had to make the same transition back here that she made going. And um, so he, she's up here and uh, we know this is your passion. So what is the hardest thing you're facing at this moment? I think that one of the hardest things is to recognize that just this battle of emotions in a way that's going on in my heart, um, to kind of balance out these two things that kind of seem contradictory, but are both present. And that's just the extreme gratitude and joy and just gratitude is the best way that I could describe it for the year that I got to spend with my friends in Africa and to see them begin to hear the gospel and uh, begin to understand who Jesus is. The gratitude for that and at the same time, the pain that is in my heart for having to leave them and to knowing that it's likely that I will never see them again, as well as the, the extreme gratitude that I have for this team, that I get, to, I get to move to Africa now with my best friends and be representatives of Olive Branch in Africa and balance that with the fact that I have to wait again and I want to be there now and that's hard. Um, and and one, one other thing that I'm just kind of trying to wrestle through is balancing this extreme gratitude for the, the decision that the elders made and agreement with that decision. I, I do feel like it was wisest to leave when I left. But at the same time, balancing with that with how 
how does that work when you want to be sharing the gospel with Muslims and rec- like I want to be in the dangerous places. I want to be where the hot is, the heat is the hottest because that's where the gospel is needed the most. And so just balancing that and trusting God and trusting Olive Branch leadership to, to lead in a way that we can make those wise decisions. So if you could be praying for, um, for me to be honest with the painful parts of those because it's easier for me to focus on the positives and also for God to be preparing me once again and my team once again to, to go out. So. So she's been speaking of this team, and uh, what happened is years ago, we offered out these letters to the congregation, to specific people, and the first time we did this, Christine was the only one who stayed through the whole thing, and so we really view this as her faithfulness bore fruit, and uh, that fruit has come out in um, these four awesome individuals I want to introduce to you, Nick and Lisa Barrientos and Alex and Kim Brown. Would you welcome them up as well? You've been hearing about our team. They, how many of you got received your letter from our, our the from this team? How many of you have read it? All right, good. That, that's important. We we want you guys to be reading those and, and get to know uh, this team really really well. And so, you know, each of you have different journeys, and each of you have gone through different things in, in, in getting here. And Nick and Lisa, your story is different than Alex and Kim. So, Lisa, why don't you let them in on how this worked for you? Um, well, I will be speaking for both of us, my husband, Nick, and myself, and my child, Elijah. Um, I am a nurse, and one of the big reasons I got into medicine was um, because I had a desire to use it in a place that didn't have access to the kind of medical care we have here. Um, so when I became a Christian, it, um, God just put it on my heart that I wanted to do medical mission-type work. Um, Nick, on the other hand... If you've met him, he seems to be totally the missionary type, totally engaging, loving people, charismatic, you know, like rooms light up when he walks in. She doesn't love her husband, does she? Isn't that awesome? Starstruck. Um, He, however, had no desire to do missions. He went on a short-term trip. With me. (laughs) Didn't go that well, I guess. No. Um, And, you know, just the way that the the trip was led, not by Greg, but (laughs) the organization that they did. I'm not going. Now you know why. (laughs) Um, It was short term, and he just felt like his gifts were really limited in that short term sense. You know, he wasn't able to build those relationships with people, and um, the exercising hospitality when you're, you know, you don't live there is is difficult. And um, so uh, I had one path, he had another path, and then I met him, and I was done. And um, I was hooked. And uh, we decided that we would cross that bridge when we came to it as you read in our letter. And um, that bridge came probably literally like a couple weeks after we got married, we get this letter from the elders inviting us to consider um, joining a team going to Africa. And um, something that I will never forget is Nick looking at me and going, you know, I don't, uh, this wasn't in my plan for our lives, but if God opens the doors, I want to keep walking through them until he closes them. So I like was super stoked, obviously, because that's what I wanted, and I saw it in him all along and everything, but, um, you know, we we started getting through this process, and we started partnering with World Team, and some of our amazing mentors, um, Dave and Jen Maloney and the Coggins, and they, uh, you know, we we see what what World Team's heart is. We saw what God's heart for um, the people were, and we started to see how we could could pour our gifts and our years and our lives and our hearts um, 
into these people in a long a long term sense, and it just fit with what um, with what God the passion God had in our hearts and. Um, Cool. Yeah, no, and uh, what's interesting is that where their passion, where Lisa's passion was early, you know, it's a different story for Kim and Alex, and um, why don't you guys uh, share how that story was different? Well, (laughs) they're going down like flies. Neither Kim or I ever really wanted to be missionaries. We never thought it was something we could do. I remember talking to her, and she was like, no, I just want to support missionaries. I like them. They're cool people. Like Christine, she's a really cool person. We should just, you know, make money, and we should send money to them and <coughs> sit in our house in the air conditioning. <laughs> but I, mean, I want to throw my story back a little further. Even I've known Christine since high school, and she was always talking about being a missionary. She wanted to go do Bible translation with strange people that speak weird languages. And it was always like, that's cool, Christine. Like, I'm, I'm really happy for you that you have a passion for something. And I was kind of jealous because I'm passionate for nothing. So... <laughs> And then just to see her go to through college, and then after that, and this all this hurry up and wait stuff she was talking about, and then eventually she just like she left. She one day was gone, and she was living in Africa, and it like in that moment just became so real that this was a real thing that real people can do that aren't sorry again that aren't like super spiritual giant like people. She was just a normal person that I'd known for a long time. (laughs) And then, you know, she became a missionary, and I was like, well, if she can do it, and we can... (laughs) I mean, we can can do it, too. It's not... She she just, like, broke down the wall in such a weird way that was so uh, cool for us. And uh, uh, what am I I forgetting? And uh, something about their story, which Alex didn't mention, that was really impactful to me is I don't know what it's like to be an adult and not be considering missions. I wanted to go into missions since I was in high school, but they didn't. Um, They didn't really think about it until they got a letter from the elders, and they allowed the leadership of the elders to put them on this path that is completely different than anything that they imagined. Um, When they told me, yeah, we like completely changed the trajectory of our lives because we trust the elders and felt like they saw something in us, man, that was was pretty intense, and I I think for the rest of my life, that will be something that I look at and respect because that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, because I just want you guys to know, it's not like these, these you, you, a lot of you look at these four and you think, oh, look at these young kids taking off to a foreign country. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? No, you got to understand, Lisa got her dream job. I mean, Lisa, what do you do right now? Um, um, I'm an RN in a cardiovascular ICU. Which was your dream? Which at, was my, Which was her, at this exact hospital you wanted. At um, Hogue Hospital in Newport Beach. And and she, she wound up with her dream job. I mean, Kim, you make... You, you do some pretty awesome stuff. She's got an MBA, people. So, I mean, you know, Nick and Alex are... are, are they also do things. Awesome. They do stuff. <laughs> Nick's, in a, Nick's band currently is doing really well. And a lot, it's just they're, they're not walking away from nothing. They're walking away from very successful American lives. And I just, I, I really think that's important to note. And, and um, I mean, Lisa and Nick are also involving a child in all of this. You kind of want to, two, yeah, two. Uh, there she's pregnant again. That's, that's awesome, isn't it? Woo! And all the prudent people are like, how can you do that? How, I mean, real quick, talk about that. How, how has that worked out with your family and everything else? Um, well, my family doesn't think very highly of our parenting skills. Uh, they're not believers. 
I mean, they like our parenting skills here sometimes, but the, I mean, I have had even people in the church come up to me. You know, we took Elijah with us to Sub-Saharan Africa in February. Yes, he was too young to be vaccinated a lot against anything there. He's too little. Um, he did take malaria medication when he wasn't, he has reflux, so he would puke it up most of the time, but we just hoped most of it got into his system. You know, when I slathered that kid in bug spray and skin so soft, and we took every precaution we could, um, but, you know, it's always been my heart and my husband's heart to see, um, to have our children see their parents being obedient to God's call, and to not, to not look at us as people who profess faith in Christ, and then, you know, what if they found out one day that, that we were, we were called to do this, and we just, we were too scared, you know, like our, our health, what about our health, or what about our, our house, or our cars, or, you know, our families, I don't want to say goodbye to my parents, you know, and I just, I don't want that kind of faith for my kids, I want them, I want them to know the, um, that, that the kingdom of God, and what his, his purposes are, are worth anything, and unto death even, um, and that's well, the kind of faith we want to model for yeah, our Yeah, and I, I'm going to slide it um, into the, into the question on fears, then, because that, it's a big deal. I know, Kim, you've, you've faced a lot of those. Lisa's just mentioned some of them. Do you want to kind of, fear is a big deal. This isn't a, these, this isn't a fearless venture that you're going into. Why don't you express kind of how that? Um, yeah, you know, Lisa, Lisa has touched on a lot of them and we, Scotty talked a little bit about it and we got to hear it in, in one of the songs that we sang today. You know, we realize that, that this is a cost, that, um, there are real things that we're afraid of. You know, we're, we're afraid for our health. We're afraid of malaria. Nobody wants to get malaria. <laughs> There's also Ebola, which is far away from where we're planning on going. But it's those kinds of things that you, you don't have anything you can do. You know, you just kind of, you take your medicine when you take your medicine. And you, um, you, you do what you can, but I'm not judging you. I want you to live. <laughs> Um, you do what you can and, and you just trust God with the rest. Um, there are other fears we have. There are fears like in a year we have to learn not just one, but two languages. Um, we're also going to be the first missionaries that go to the place that we're going to. And that's terrifying. Uh, we don't have the privilege of knowing what works with this people. We don't have the privilege of understanding their culture. Um, and that's, it really is scary. And there are things like, what if we're ineffective? You know, what if we go, what if we spend four years, eight years, 12 years of our lives there and we don't see anyone come to Christ and we don't feel like we've seen any fruit? Um, that's, that's really scary. I think some other of the fears are things like, you know, we love you guys and in a year we're going to leave you. And there are things that we're going to miss, things like weddings and funerals and birthdays and memories that you're all going to have together, and, and we don't get to share that with you. We can. There's ways for you to communicate with us. Nick's going to talk a little bit about that, but the missing being here, missing being a part of that is, is really scary. Um, ultimately, we don't want you to forget us, and I know that that seems crazy, and I know that it seems like that's impossible, but that really is a struggle that missionaries have because it's almost like out of sight, out of mind, and we don't want, we don't want to feel that way. Um, so those are some of them. Some of the other ones are things like we're really planning on leaving next year. And what if we don't get there? You know, what if we can't raise the money? What if we can't raise support? What if we get 50% of the way and then can't do the rest? That, that's a real thing that happens to missionaries. And it's terrifying because you're planning your life to leave in a year. And then you have to wait. And, and that waiting kills you. So you're sitting there in an empty house with nothing left. And you're going, we're still in America. So yeah. it's like, yeah. it's kind of one of those crazy things. You know, you guys are getting a chance. 
to, to do this as a team, which is radically different. And hopefully that helps alleviate some of those fears. I mean, um, quickly, quickly, Christine, can you just express to them what that'll be like, the difference of doing it as a team? Yeah, we're really looking forward to going as a team. We feel like that's one of the biggest strengths that we bring to the table is that we've been best friends for a long time and now we're getting to go. Um, and it's just been really neat for me to be back and to, when I hang out with my friends now, we get to be intentional about working through not only preparation for the field, but also communicating well with each other and learning how to encourage each other well and learning how to fight well. And um, yeah, we can argue over things bigger than where we eat lunch. Um, but um, yeah, it's just been a really neat thing to be able to be a part of a team. And we're really excited about that. And we're looking forward to a lot more Olive Branch teams joining us over there. Um, there is between, there's about 11 unreached Muslim people groups in the, the, the area of the country that we're going to. And my dream is that before I die, there will be an Olive Branch team in every single one of those people groups. So who's coming? <laughs> Well, that, and that, that does lead to kind of that, that last point of, you know, what, what, do you, what, do we, what can they do? Where do they need to go? How does this work from here? And if you want to hit the process the question. Yay. Okay. Nick Barrientos, I'll, ladies I'm and gentlemen. I'm going to lock eyes with every single one of you in this church. I did it first service, and there's a lot less people, so it was easier. So this might take a few minutes. All right. Got your attention? Okay. We sent letters out already, which is awesome. I hope you guys received them. I hope that you guys read them and they didn't end up in the trash like the letters that I got when I was a teenager from other people. Because I, like I said, I, you know, this wasn't what I had planned, but I'm stoked that God's, you know, opened doors. We need prayer. Um, I, I think that, that one's obvious, obviously. You know, we can't do it without your prayer. Um, you know, we need all you prayer warriors to be praying for us and to, um, you know, pray for God's will and uh, just to, that we would be encouraged and, you know, we'd have guidance and uh, because we're going to, we're going into something that we don't, we don't really know what we're doing um, to a certain extent. You know, we're kind of going into a new people group and, you know, it's going to be easy to get discouraged. So we need encouragement, um, emotional support, spiritual support. If you guys could get our emails from us, email us. Um, there's a sign-up outside that has all of that great information in there. Um, another thing, we can't go for free, so we're going to need some financial support. So those of you that are able and capable of doing that, if you could pray through that and see where God is leading you, you know, that's another way you guys can help us. I mean, not everyone is, is uh, intended to give in that way, but if you're capable of doing it, just please pray through that because, I mean... I, I probably have like 60 cents in my pocket, and I, I, I'm not going to get to Africa with 60 cents. Uh, Christine wants to add to that. Actually, in the bulletin today, too, there's two um, papers in there. One of them is a card with our beautiful faces on it that you can put on your fridge and pray for us every time you see it or put in your Bible or wherever. But on the back, it actually has a summary of some of the ways that you can join that Nick talked about. And this one um, has two options on it. There's a box for praying um, and how often you commit to praying. And then whether you want it through email or mail. And if you already feel like you're at a place, I, I agree with Nick, pray about it, see what God wants. But if you're already at a place where you want to, you know that you want to support us, you can fill this out, um, both for the prayer and the financial support, and drop it in the offering when it goes by. That would be awesome. Our names and account numbers are on the back of this one. So Yeah, I want to explain something. Our church, you guys are a generous church, and we appreciate all that you have, you have partnered in the church for the, for the mission here at Olive Branch, um, there, a portion of all of, all of your tithe money, um, all of the offerings 
your gifts go towards mission, and uh, it will actually enable and strengthen the team. Um, but they can't, the, the church, we, we can't pay everything, and so uh, they have a kind of a gap that they have to make up, and the world team asks them to have a strong base of support that gives to them a base of support that prays with them. And so that's what they're talking about, and that doesn't have to be a huge amount, doesn't have to be, uh, it, it can be a lot of people at small amounts, which is far stronger of a support unit, than, or a support group than it is uh, uh, like four people giving it all. Um, so just we really want to encourage you guys to think about how you can get to be a part. You may not ever get to go. You may not be the kind of person who can go, but God may have blessed you with the ability to be a part of it in any way. Anyway. And so I, I, we're, we're excited that this group is here. Would you just praise God with me for this Olive Branch Africa team? Again, please head on out and meet them outside. They would love to talk to you, give you more information. I'm sure you got tons of questions and, and you're curious about all kinds of stuff. Um, but I also want to just let, end it with this, with this thought. There's a lot of sacrifice that goes on here. You've seen several of uh, this team and you've heard at Scott and Casey and what they're involved in here at the church. And you see all of this um, beautiful ministry that actually, while they're sacrificing and giving up their lives, we're giving up leadership. These, these are leaders. These aren't just, uh, we found the random people who weren't doing anything. Let's send them somewhere so they have something to do. That wasn't, that's not what we did. We, these, are our, these are our leaders. These are valued uh, youth, youth, uh, youth leaders. These are valued um, just worship team members. They, they have so much they bring to our church already. And, and some of you guys are going to have to step up to fill in the gaps. But at the same time, we're... we're going to be delivering more letters eventually. And you may not be thinking about it, but you're going to realize that one day God might be calling you to, to live an adventure beyond the American dream. And you know what? You don't have to be a college-aged uh, person and beginning your life. They're not college-aged anymore. You guys are done. Whoa. I'm still the youth pastor. I'm just proud of these guys. Um, you, a lot of people think college-aged kids. These guys are young adults beginning their lives, but I want to talk to you retired and empty nesters. The cultures we're going to go to respect age. They don't worship youth. And there's some greater power that is found in being an older man or woman and doing mission work than you can imagine. I get it. Some of you in health can't. So you're able to give and able to support in prayer and things like that. But some of you could. And so when that letter shows up, I don't want you guys to just out and out reject it. Oh, I'm I'm, 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 I'm past that point of life. No, you're not. Never imagine your life is beyond God using you in great ways. You, I hear um, what Jesus is saying, and, and there's a lot of fear in giving this stuff up, but I want you to hear what Jesus was saying to, these, um, to his disciples after he'd just seen the, the rich young ruler go, I'm not, I'm not giving away my money, and walk away because he loved it too much. Um, he turns to the people, he says, hey, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, those who heard it said, then who can be saved? Because rich people were blessed. They were blessed by God. But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we've left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come, eternal life. And this is a glorious sacrifice we all get to make together. 
And I hope that you guys are in with us on it. Are you? Are you there with us? Let me hear from you. Amen. Encourage these teams. Scott, come on, come on up here. I've been talking about you too this whole time. So um, I want to ask that you do something with us. If you would please stand up, and we don't normally do something like this, but I would ask that you just extend your hand as a, as a symbol that we are laying our hands upon this team together as a congregation. We're going we're gonna to pray over them. So I know if you're like, that's weird. Do it anyway for me, please. <laughs> uh, Father, we, we bring these, these men and women to you. And we are just excited for what you can do in their lives. And we're um, just in awe of the sacrifice that they're willing to make. And Spirit, I ask that you'd be upon their lives, you'd guide them, you'd, you'd show your presence, your love, your peace, and your power, and your fruit born in their lives. Would you just reveal your truths in your scriptures to them and impact their hearts more deeply as they bring that message to people who've never heard it before. It's like fresh water on the dry, thirsty tongue. And God, may that be what they are bringing, is this fresh water, this light into darkness. And God, would you also... Just train them because, Jesus, you're the greatest missionary. You're the one who came as a baby, literally. You put our human culture all around you, and you reached out to those of us who are in the darkness that we would have salvation. God, would you teach them the same ways? And finally, Father, would you glorify your name in them? That as they go and as we continue to go as a church and as we continue to reach in this 100,000 people that surround us, may there be thousands of missionaries that are ready to go as we reach out the gospel to encourage them as we see people saved here and as they see churches planted there. May you just have a synergy so that your glory would cover this earth as water the sea. And that is what we ask, not of just this team, but of this church of this movement that you have called Olive Branch. We ask that you would indeed would use us greatly for your name. In Jesus' name, all of God's children said, amen.